I'm Sean Bowles, and I want to welcome you to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I have a passion for how the prophetic gifts can change the world around us. They make simple, everyday people like you and I a catalyst for life-changing experiences with the supernatural. On this podcast, I have friends from all different backgrounds who each have a powerful story to tell about how the prophetic is shaping their world. I invite you to be part of the conversation. This is Exploring the Prophetic. Today on Exploring the Prophetic, I'm excited to introduce you to my friend Jake Winslow. Him and his wife Amber have been friends of ours for a number of years, and he's right in the middle of a heart process. We did this interview in Portland, Oregon. He lives about four hours from there. He's in the middle of a rediscovery process where there's been a lot that's gone wrong, but he's had to stand firm in his faith, not only for the destiny of the future, but also for who God is in the today with his family. His family has gone through several tragedies, losses. He was a pastor in San Francisco and moved and left everything for the sake of helping his mother and now father and mother-in-law uh, go through just some health tragedy that they've experienced. And so him and his wife, Amber, have put family first and not ministry first. And I wanted to give you this interview as a display of somebody who's in the middle of it. He's not in the end. There's not necessarily a happy ending to all the points, but he's in the middle of it. And they're processing their journey really well with God in the midst of pain and hardship. I think so many of you who are listening can relate to this. Maybe you're going through something or at the beginning or the middle of something, not at the end yet, and you need language. And I love that Jake and Amber, they're so honest. They're so vulnerable about their process. And so I thought this would make a great, great interview for our Exploring the Prophetic podcast network, because so many of you guys, our family, don't know how to express yourself in the midst of the pain that you're experiencing, and you need a prototype, you need an example. And Jake and Amber, they're going through some very real things right now. And even as we air this, there's some more things that have happened. And so it's one of those uh, stories, though, that's a, it's a continual story that they put their hope and their faith in God, and they're seeing a God result in the midst of tragedies that many Americans, many humans, many people worldwide experience, and yet... Do they have the result of Romans 8.28 that God works everything for our good for those who love him? That's what Jake and Amber represents, that God's working all of these things for the good of his own kingdom, but also for their good and their family's good. So come join the conversation. I think you're going to really love this today. And right before we get there, I have a word from our sponsors, which I think today happens to be us. I'm so excited to introduce you, my podcast family, to my new show on YouTube. It's called Your Prophetic Journey with Sean Bowles, and it's all about you. That's why we call it Your Prophetic Journey, because we have learned that as you hear other people's prophetic stories, it creates a prototype faith for you, especially through this show, this podcast that we've been having. And we wanted to do some video versions where I can tell some of my stories, not just hear other people's stories with you and narrate their stories, but actually talk to some friends, but also share the process behind prophetic words, journey stories. We have things about nightmares and what to do with witchcraft and what to do with themes that people don't always talk about in the mainstream. And I want to talk about those things for real for you and how to apply your Christian faith to have great breakthrough in these areas. And so this is a free weekly show. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, but also turn on notifications for the show when you get on there, because it will help you every week to receive our content. A lot of times, if you subscribe, it doesn't mean you'll find it. It doesn't mean it'll come to you, but this is going to be weekly. So subscribe and get notifications and you will love to go on the journey with me. We want to hear your feedback. I want to see comments. I want to be on this journey with you because your journey, you should never journey alone. And I'm here with you. This is Jake Winslow, who's done a lot of different things, including being an awesome dad. 
and an awesome husband to his wife, uh, who couldn't be here tonight. I'm seeing she's not here, so she couldn't be here tonight, probably watching the kids. And uh, you were a pastor in the Bay Area for a while. You actually did Bethel School of Ministry at one point. You were a college football player. And now, let's go on the journey. Hello. Let's do it. I'm so glad you're here. Me too. We get to see each other about once a year. Um, we have a young leaders coalition of people who are just emerging in spiritual purposes. And, and you've been coming for about nine years, I believe, yeah. right? About nine years. So we get to see each other once a year in that. And so I get to hear updates. And so you have been on this journey of, of believing God, especially for church planting. Like when you were in San Francisco, one of the easiest cities to pastor in the world. Um, Absolutely. Actually, what was funny, you guys, can I tell you a really funny story? Wait, wait I think you want to tell me first? Oh, no, you'll like this. <laughs> this is a bad one. When I first, I, I used to go to the church that Jake took over for a season, um, and I'd go there and, and minister, and you were getting installed as the pastor. That's how we met. And it was during the time, they were right off of Haight Street, kind of, and you were walking in, and there was, it was the Folsom Gay Pride Festival, and there was naked people walking towards us in leather, but naked, and I'm like, what's happened? Like, where am I in the twilight zone? What's going on? And I'm like, welcome to your city. This is your flock. Here they come. And you just laughed. You're I like, told Sean is... you should give him a prophetic word. <laughs> I was like, I don't Holy think you give naked people give... prophetic words. <laughs> we have teams that go to like Burning Man and stuff. I'm like, I don't know how y'all do it. That's just crazy. But you pastored in some pretty hardcore areas, and you were successful, and you you planted multiple campuses, and you did some things that aren't always the most common things, but take us on the spiritual journey a little bit about um, some, of the, some of the places where God spoke to you and manifested the most fruit so far. Well, that's an easy question, right? Um, well, I think the beginning, honestly, my wife, we left Bethel and um, we were going to go back to Olympia, Washington, it's where we're from, and we were going to plant a church. Olympian, Olympia, a couple of us, awesome. Um, Thanks for coming down. <laughs> And uh, we had, uh, we were, we were going to plant a church in Olympia, but we were decided we were going to wait a year before we did anything. And um, we got married, and on our honeymoon, we had this, um, we went and we took some of the money we got from our honeymoon, because you get some cash, you know, the wedding, and uh, we bought this picture. We were, we were walking through this town, and we found these two cool pictures. And the one picture was this cloud, and you could see this little tiny piece of metal sticking up through this cloud. And there was another picture of uh, this couple holding hands. And we were like, oh, how romantic. We're just married. That's awesome. That's us. And, um, and then we got home, put the pictures up on our wall. It was just this really cool, the way it was uh, painted and all that. And we got uh, about a year into it. We started getting ready to do the church plant. We had, everything was moving forward. We had people saying, hey, we're going to financially support you. People were coming. And, uh, and then we get a call from our spiritual dad, uh, who was Paul Manware, and he says, hey, you guys should move to San Francisco. They want to hire a pastor from Bethel, and uh, we think you guys would be the perfect ones. And um, we said, no. <laughs> and... Uh, and we, you know, then we felt the Lord just kind of begin to nudge us. And we're like, okay, well, at least we'll go there and we'll see what the Lord says and we'll meet him and, and kind of go through that process. And um, this is super spiritual, you know, where you're praying, we're asking for prophetic words, like, come on, this is... And um, one day, we, this, we came back, one day we're laying in bed and um, we look up at this picture that we had bought when we first were on our honeymoon and it was a picture of a couple looking over the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, wow. 
And we're like, oh, no. <laughs> Let's just not. Take the pictures down, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but honestly, it was probably the, the hardest season of our life, but the most growth. And uh, through that, I mean, we've got opportunities and, and had incredible experiences. And uh, so just, you know, having those moments where the Lord leads you is so important in your journey. I mean, to know where the Lord's leading you. And you, I mean, you guys had some phenomenal experiences that led to some real pivotal moments in San Francisco's history as far as the church. Because at the time, the church you took over was a vineyard that turned into another church that you guys transitioned into another version iteration. And, uh, and it really turned into something where the city was really hungry spiritually. Yeah. But you guys went from that to your mom had an illness and you guys decided that we want to lay down what we're doing here and we're going to do family. We're just going to take care of mom. And so you guys did end up going to Olympia, Washington. Yep. And you've been there for a number of years now. And that's a huge departure. Like some people would look at that and go, what are you doing? Are you crazy? You're in the height of your ministry. Everything's, <laughs> you know, everything's going so well. Yeah. And you're laying it down for, to help your mom who someone else might be able to help somehow. And that's kind of the culture we live in is like, isn't there a home for that or something? And you guys actually were like, no, we, we need, we love her. We love our family. And that, that was, I know that sounds really like, it sounds like the right thing to do, but I can, I can, think of 12 pastors in my life who wouldn't have done that and didn't do that. And so it was really a beautiful but very hard thing to do as you guys were leaving your movement together. So kind of walk us through that. How did that happen? You're going to make me cry. Um, you know, you, especially, and I'm, and I'm sure any pastors or any of us, not just pastors, but you, you carry a baby for so long. And, uh, you know, when when you pay a price for something, the, the value, you create a value for it that you just, that money can't buy. And I can't tell you the amount of sacrifice to be in San Francisco day in and day out and believe. I mean, we, I remember driving across the Golden Gate Bridge and, and we're, we're saying, God, we are here. I don't, we're not here to build a big church. We are here to see a city saved because if San Francisco could be saved, the world could be saved. I mean, imagine, it would be like if Sodom and Gomorrah could have got saved and we would have, I can't tell you the amount of prophetic words and every prophet was like, San Francisco is going to hell and you know, we're just standing there going, no, no, we're, we're believing that this is gonna be the place that could see a move of God yeah. and shape history. So you're paying this price and you're standing and I mean, the, the amount of spiritual warfare, I can't even begin to tell you. And I'm not one that's like, you know, hey, the devil's knocking on every door, but it was sometimes two. Um, it, it was just a whole new level. I mean, they call San Francisco the uh, graveyard for churches. And um, so anyway, I say all that to say, like, we're just standing and we're believing. And we saw incredible things. As Sean said, we first got there and we went into revival meetings for almost a year straight, every single night. Um, we just hosted the Prince Lord. Thousands of people came through. It was on the tail end of the Lakeland Revival. And, um, and just had incredible things. I mean, healing, the miraculous, all those things. And you're like, oh, revival, this is what we're standing for. This is what we're believing for. This is what it's going to take. And so you, you, know, you pay all these prices. And then we transition into, hey, we really want to see the whole city saved. So let's, let's begin to build campuses. And we, we, we launched uh, several campuses all over the city. And kind of a, our goal was to bring revival into each neighborhood. And, uh, you know, obviously the struggles that you go through. And then, but through this process, you're trying to shape culture in a city that is so against family. I mean, it's, it is the city that, that anything can go. 
There is no, you know, family. Actually, this is the honest truth. There's more dogs in San Francisco than there are children. Well, I remember we went to a restaurant, and he's like, oh, there's not going to be a changing table here. Because there's, like, literally zero changing tables in any restaurant. And you're like, what in the heck? Like, especially for dads. There's for sure for dads. Right. And I'm like, there's, no, I mean, in LA, we're a family-friendly city. So, like, everywhere, it's, like, family and family bathrooms and family. And there's, like, you go to the mall, and there's not even a children's toy store. It's crazy. Like, there's not even a place to buy kids stuff. So I was like, it's gotten a little bit better. But I mean, like, when we were, I was just like, this is crazy. There's a lot of pet smarts. Yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we're, you know, so we began to just say, hey, we want to shape the culture. And the way you shape a culture is you can't change your culture uh, outside of you if it's not inside of you first. And so we began to just preach and, and share and really began to build family. And we don't come from families. I mean, not we come from families, <laughs> but not healthy ones. Both my, my wife and I were not... Uh, born into a healthy family. And so, um, but we're just like, hey, let's be intentional. Let's shape family. Let's, because I believe that the only revival that will never stop is a, is a revival that's built on family. Yeah. Because it says of the increase of his government, there is no end. And government is family. That's so good. And so if we want to have a government that's never going to end, then it has to be built on family. So we just began to go, okay, in a city where there is no family, there's no children. I mean, like if you have six people in your children's ministry, you know, in a mega church, you're doing well. And um, so we're saying, let's build family. So we're doing this and we're preaching this for years and beginning to sewing into it. And then my mom gets cancer. And uh, for the first year, we felt like the Lord said, you know, just go back. So we, so we moved back to Washington and I would fly back every single week and, uh, and just lead all the campuses. And it worked really well. Um, but then we had some issues with that. But then we moved back again after a year of being with my mom. And um, we were there, and all of a sudden we began to feel a shift. And I think my wife felt it a lot more. She's like, I'm ready. I'm like, no, no, this is my baby. Like, I have paid a price for this thing. I'm, I'm standing because I'm believing for this. And, and, uh, and then just through the Lord, you know, and his goodness, uh, we felt a shift, and this is where the prophetic was so important to me. I actually just I sent a text to Sean and several prophetic friends. I was like, hey, I need a word. I'm not telling you what it is, but I need a word. And everybody was like, yes, move back home. And I was like, no, no. delete, 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 delete. No, I need a different word. <laughs> and, um, but, but, you know, through that process, the Lord begins to just shift your heart. And, um, and I remember kind of having these conversations because we didn't come from family. Family wasn't a value system of ours. And we're telling our church, family is the most important. And then I'm teaching my daughters this. And I'm thinking, if I don't begin to live out what real family, what I believe family should look like, then I can't expect them to do it later either. And uh, man, it was the hardest decision of our life, honestly. Um, and we moved back. And I'm glad we did. Um, all hell broke loose. Uh, since then, Amber's mom uh, went into uh, the hospital. She's been in and out of hospital, you know, trying to survive. Amber's dad got diagnosed with stage four cancer. So it's like, oh, we're in family. This is what family looks like. And um, I wouldn't trade it for, for anything. I know that there, I know no matter how hard it is, I cannot tell you the amount of um, just struggle that we've personally had through this process. You know, you're like, no, I'm going to change the world. But first, I'm just trying to survive this moment. Yeah. You know, all these prophetic words. I mean, how many have had a prophetic word that it's like, I'm going to do these great things, but right now you're looking at, can I just survive this moment? And um, so prophetic words. Let me interject in that because I think I love having you on the show and I love having you with this group because 
there is something about the in-between space where you're just walking it out. And, and a lot of times you'll see like the Bill Johnson at the end of the race and you're like, yeah, or Chris Valentin. Like you hear the story in his book about what he walked through, but you don't think about, and you may not know those names, but whatever names make sense to you, you may not know the behind the scenes price that they're actually developing the culture that they have the authority to preach from now. And I think it's really beautiful that in the middle of the season, it's one of the hardest of your guys' lives you're willing to do a podcast and share this because we're going to see you. Maybe it's going to be two years from now or five years from now. We're going to see you on the other end of the journey, but we're stopping to pause for a moment in the desert and say, what's it like? What are you going through? What, what, what's happening in your life? And, and, and the fact that you've so chosen family, like when he says, I wouldn't trade it for the world. He's not saying the sickness or the, (laughs) he's saying like, I've chose family. We're choosing, they're recreating something that was never created for them. And it's and it's not all puppies and roses, and that's that's one thing that I think a lot of us, in our obedience to the Lord, we're looking for immediate gratification, because yeah. we're in immediate gratification culture. And He's expressing, there's not an immediate gratification, but there's life, and that's so different. And we've had some talks about it. And it, I think um, I really respect what you guys are going through. And I know, you know what, what does Christine Kane say when you're going through hell? Keep keep going. Yeah. You know, keep going. Just don't That's stop. Like, just don't stop. Keep going. When you're going through hell, keep going. I, I don't know if she's the one who came up with that or not, but I've heard her preach it. I'm like, but I think it's really interesting because, like, in the midst of going back to Olympia, some things emerged in your identity that wouldn't have happened in the context of Absolutely. church. You guys went back into physical fitness. I remember you told me, "I don't want to be a fat pastor," and all of a sudden you start working out like crazy, doing fitness competitions. Amber's doing fitness competitions. Talk, talk, talk about that journey a little bit. Well, I mean. In the process, I think, you know, you have to find things that bring life to you, you know. And uh, you, I think sometimes it, we look at things that get our identity. You know, oh, I'm a pastor. Oh, I'm a business owner. Oh, I'm this or I'm that. And you have to kind of start finding things that are actually lasting identity things, like health. Or what is it going to look like? What does longevity look like? Or what is, you know, how am I going to be there for my my children for a long time. So we started kind of looking at some of those things and my wife started the process and it was awesome because she became real. I mean, she was always incredibly beautiful, but now she was really, really hot. And she can kick all your butts. She's <laughs> strong. That girl is, I mean, she's lifting some weight. She is. And she's a trainer. And she's a personal trainer. And um, so we began that process and then I didn't want to be the fat husband. So... Uh, I began to work out, and we began to do competitions together, and it's been just just fun. It's been one of those things where uh, it's brought life to us, and and uh, and then she she does it for a living, so she makes good money that way too. So that's yeah. been a fun part of the process. But <clears throat> tell me that was there a spiritual part of that journey as far as because I remember you said something, and I never talked to Amber about it, but something came alive in her, and something a, a God element came alive in her when she started pursuing this an empowerment that yeah. happened, and kind of talk about that a little bit. Well. I, you know, I think sometimes, I'll put it this way. My wife, I don't think, ever really wanted to be in ministry. Um, so she had always had a call to business. And uh, so one of the things that we wrestled with was the whole time was her her purpose or her place within what we were doing. You know, there's kind of the, oh, that's the pastor. And so therefore your wife just becomes uh, the pastor or vice versa. If or they a, become the organ player. <laughs> Or the, or the My children's pastor. My wife said pastor. I will never be. Or the children's pastor. Person, yeah, There's exactly. like three different the positions for, 
Right. And, um, and so we kind of always wrestled with that, you know, putting her in a place where she didn't really fit and she would be like, okay, I'm going to step up because that's what a good wife does and that's what a good pastor does. And it was never really her fit. There was never a grace for it. So it was always a struggle for us. And so when she began to move into that, she came alive in a way that I hadn't ever seen her come alive uh, in, in the years and years and years of ministry. Yeah, she became someone who loved the process of coaching because she always yeah. had an ability to come alongside someone and kind of nurture them. Absolutely. Very pastoral in that sense. Yeah. But to coach somebody in their physical fitness and actually do it in a way that she gets a lot of clients because she's so good at it. And it really matched some of the strengths and the passions that you have. And I have a very similar thing with my wife. My wife, who is in ministry with me, finds a lot of identity from things that are outside of ministry. And she was in the entertainment industry for a while. She did some modeling for a while. She did some stuff. And so for her, there's certain things. Like she, she did this one comedy night one night and did stand-up comedy. And I saw her come alive more in that one night of comedy than I had seen her come alive in all the years she pastored with me in the church. It was just a few years because we stopped pastoring after three or four years of marriage. And, um, and it, it's just one of those moments where you see God has hidden himself in someone, but sometimes they adopt a role just because they're married right. into it or because of what you're doing. The, the dominant role defines the, the other role instead of them both being, you know, my wife's an alpha too. So it's like, she needed to have her own role. Right. So it's been fun to watch my wife and your wife to go on identity journeys. My wife looks at your wife's Instagram of this buff woman who shows it. And my wife's like, maybe I'll do fitness modeling. <laughs> like she could too, you know. I love it, but it's, it's just inspired so many other women who were yeah. pastor's wives who are like, she's so taken on her strength journey not just the physical strength, but the spiritual strength journey of saying, I'm going to do this. Right. And she's done it with excellence. I think it's really inspirational for people who have been stuck in a role that's a wrong role for them. Right. Yeah, and I love so. how you've celebrated as a husband. Well, she looked really good, so it was easy. <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying. Super easy to celebrate. <laughs> you go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it going. So give me kind of, we have a few minutes left. Give me kind of, you know, I know you're in that in-between place, but... There's some new things percolating. Give me some of the vision you have in life as far as God has spoken to you and what you did in San Francisco was a prototype. What are you believing for? And in the midst of being in a season where you can't do it all because you're having to help family and you're having to really stay focused on that journey, how are you holding the fire of these things in your heart? Are they painful to think about? Are they beautiful to think about? Talk about that a little bit. Um, By my fingertips. Yeah. (laughs) Um, No, I... I've always been one that's very um, vision, like I'm a visionary to a T, probably off the charts. Um, and so I keep myself alive with vision and, and the prophetic and, and hope. Um, you know, I think even in the prophetic, hope has to be the major, yeah. uh, you know, uh, DNA of, of the prophetic. And so I'm feasting myself on the prophetic words in my life and the different things that God's spoken and, and just kind of going, okay, I know in the middle, I mean, it, it, I... I I'm, feel like sometimes like I'm this boat out in the middle of the sea and you're kind of getting tossed and you can just see the, the lighthouse and you're just like, okay, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, but I'm going to go there. Somehow I'm going to get there. And I know that we're going to get there. So it's filled with hope, but you know, there's storms around us in this moment. Yeah. And, but I just hold on to those things. Cause I, I'm, I'm super, um, I believe that there's a calling on my life. There's prophetic words. There's a vision that's in my heart. For me, when I'm stepping into, just like probably all of us, but when I'm stepping into the vision, you come alive. You come alive in a different way. And so that's one of the ways that you know you're walking in your purpose. Are you coming alive? You can be going through hell in your purpose and still be coming alive. 
And and so it's so important to make sure you're in your in your purpose, yeah. in your do what makes you come alive, because you know you can't create revival outside if you're not having your own personal revival. So how do you sustain your own personal revival? How do you stay alive in the middle of a storm? How do you stay alive in the middle of a hard situation and go? But I'm going to be a light. I'm going to be a revival. I'm going to be that in this moment. And so I've just held on to the prophetic words. I, I prophesy myself, and we've, you know, even. When we first met back, everybody's like, start a church. And I'm like, no. <laughs> um, yeah. I just had no bandwidth. And, but we've now, I think now things are starting to shift. And so we're starting to see some of those things come alive. And, and, and even in my heart again, I think there was a little bit of what I call uh, PTTSD, Pastor Traumatic Stress Syndrome. <laughs> um, and so we've kind of, coming out of that, we've got some, some healing, some health, and yeah. uh, I think we're ready to run again. We're, you know, it's, it's steps, and you just kind of check your heart on the process and go, oh, nope, that's a little bit too much. Let's pull back. Or, you know, hey, we're right there. Let's go again. Let's run. And, and so we're kind of in that process where we're starting to spread our wings. And it's so interesting in that, in the seasons when you're when you're in those hardships, it, it feels like the prophetic words, the the vision just kind of goes away, and you're like, "Yeah, hello, hello." And um, but you know, once you start stepping, all of a sudden it begins to, "Oh yeah, he's there," and he's and yeah. and you can feel him calling you out of the boat, going, "Okay, now it's time, come out of the boat, stand on the water." So that's kind of where we're at at this point. No, and I love that. I, I want to say this about it because I feel like a lot of us you think about the stewardship of a prophetic word, that when you get a word, you have to believe in it and you have to carry it yourself because no one's going to want what you want as right. much as you want it, except for God. And so there's this point where when, if you go through a season of trial or testing, it could be like everything's good here, but this is hard here. It could be, you know, I remember when um, Eric Johnson of Bethel Church was facing a hernia, believing God for healing for his hernia, and he prayed for me and I got healed, but he didn't. And he's like, the Lord's told him, you have a healing ministry and you're going to heal, uh, you're going to move in healing for, with your family and friends in a profound way. And you are going to have healing in your own body. And he has an ear issue and then he had a hernia issue and he still had to get surgery. And just those kinds of things of like, am I going to stand and believe? He right. did for me. While he currently had his hernia and had to go to surgery, we were both scheduled. I got healed. Wow. And there's those kinds of things where you go through things with the prophetic where you have to learn how to walk with God. And, and you have to learn how to hold on. And, and I know for us personally, like we started to experience some of the breakthrough into some of the greater things we've been believing for. A lot of them were probably said to me when I was 15 and 16. Right. But then I realized like halfway through the breakthrough, I'm like, my breakthrough is breakthrough. Right. And when you hear God, and if you've met anybody who's met with Jesus face to face, like the Heidi Bakers, those kinds of, you know, like uh, Bob Jones, if you ask them, are you satisfied? You can now go to heaven, you're done. You don't need to see him again until you go to heaven. They'll all say, I have to see him again, I'm desperate. So the, when you've heard God or seen God, it makes you so desperate for more of him. Yeah. And so I love what you're saying because I feel like there's a stewardship in this that's, that's one of the things you're hold, you keep using words like holding on and the lighthouse, these kinds of things. And that's what prophecy is for, is right. to help us navigate through seasons that we don't understand and there's confusion, just human confusion, life confusion and prophecy comes on it. And we don't always understand immediately the confusion release, but we understand that God's still big. Absolutely. And we understand that he's still good. And I'm so encouraged because I feel like this is a particularly important interview for some people listening because you're not just a highlight success reel of Instagram right now. <laughs> you're someone who's going through very real things, is making re very real choices that you're in the middle of the journey, but, and it's not in the payoff period yet. Right. And I really appreciate you being there. So. You know, thank you. Well, thanks. Is there anything, any last words? 
I just want to say this, actually. I, there's a, a Galatians that says this. It says um, that when we operate in our works, we cut ourselves off from grace. And it means when we're trying to get things in our own strength, then we actually cut ourselves off from grace, which is grace is unmerited favor. And I, obviously we need to work, but it's not that I'm not, I'm not looking at my strength being the thing that's going to cause every solution to be answered. But I'm saying, Lord, I'm going to work, but your grace is what's going to carry me through. So I just want to say whatever you're going through in your life, wherever you're at, whether it's business, whether it's life, it's not by your strength. Yeah. It's not by your, it's not by you putting your hands to it and working as hard as you can and your, your nails to the, you know, your, your fingers to the blood and the nails. It's, it's by grace. And, and that's your portion yeah. is God's grace. So, Thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this. We so appreciate you. Hey, this is Sean Bowles, and I'm going to talk to you real quickly about our Bowles Ministries Partnership Program. This podcast is made by Bowles Ministries, and it's done because of partners and people who are supporting our ministry, who are equipping us to be able to bring this kind of a show to you. If you're loving hearing these interviews where people are sharing vulnerably about their process, which I think is one of the most powerful things we can do is hear each other's process about revelation. If you're loving this, please Don't only subscribe, don't only review, don't only tell your friends, but partner with us. Be part of the journey. Be part of the sending power of Bulls Ministries to get this message across the world. You guys can be part of our team. All you have to do is go to bullsministries.com, click on giving or partnership. And when you go there, you're going to be part of an incredible partnership community. We're going to resource you. We actually have partnership director who calls all of our partners once a year. We have resources that we send you. There's your very own special partner page with messages and videos that only you can have. But we need you to partner with us if you love this show so that we can actually take it into a whole nother level with the rest of season two, but also go into season three and beyond.